Hello, welcome to the Lehigh Valley Cycling Podcast, a podcast where we discuss and explore all topics related to cycling in the Lehigh Valley. I am Jorge and I will be your host. On this, our second episode, we have a chat with master signature frame builder, Jeff Deucer, a local frame builder here in the Valley whose career began in the late 70s and didn't stop until recently in the year 2021. Jeff started his work at Rust Bicycles and concluded his career at Spectrum Cycles, one of the most recognizable American companies when it comes to custom frames. Let's get to it and begin this journey with Jeff as we explore the fabrication renaissance of bicycles right here in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. When, where were you born? I was born in Quakertown, Pennsylvania. 1953, March March 13th. 53. What what would you say are the the biggest uh, time stamps, or what are the most important time stamps stamps that you recall from that era when you were born? Like what was what was happening back then? Oh boy, I actually didn't pay too much attention other than my my family and just. That's fine. Yeah, I I didn't get interested in outside. No? Outside the area. Okay. Okay. You know, so you were in Quaker Town most of your youth. <clears throat> no, I was only there for about six months, and I was adopted and brought to Allentown. Okay. So you you grew up in Allentown, yep. you would say, then? That is actually yeah. your, your hometown where yeah. you have most of your memories. I consider Allentown my hometown. Fantastic. And um, when when did Jeff, I mean, like, what, what was Jeff doing back when he was a teenager and such? What were the activities that? That Jeff, you know, well, he was 16, 18. I, I know I told you before, bowling was always number one. Okay. Then it kind of migrated into stock cars, mm. building engines. Oh, wow. That kind of thing. Yeah. The idea was always to race stock cars. Okay. And I decided this is way too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and I just stopped that and stayed with the bowling. Okay. And then as things went on, well, of course, got married. You know, I had the kid and all that. Sure. Um, in 1977, it got to the point where things were really tough in Allentown. There was no work. Oh. And Ross had work. Ross Bicycles. Ross Bicycles. That was that a local uh, manufacturer yeah. or company? Or yeah. yeah, yeah, they were out of New York, but they had a pl- their plant here. Okay. 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 And they were hiring, so I went there just for an in-between job because I wasn't working. Okay. And they were paying pretty good. I, they were actually paying almost eight bucks an hour for laborers. Eight bucks an hour. Okay, for laborers. Yeah, yeah. Really good in 1977. Oh, no, fair enough. Yeah, that definitely a different time. And, you know, it was one of those things I planned on staying a year at the most. Mm-hmm. Ended up there eight years. Wow. <laughs> eight years at Ross Bicycles. And uh, and and when you started working at Ross, did, what, was, what was your responsibilities? It was just... Frame alignments. Then I get into running spot welders. What 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 do you mean by frame alignment? What what does that mean for those? They, they had they had fixtures. Okay. That would hold the frames by the bottom bracket shell. Okay. And the head tube. Uh huh. And the rear dropouts. Okay. And then you just had different points. You had three points that you would line up on a machine by hand. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. And. uh did that for a while then i got into spot welding which was once you learned it you could do it in your sleep really yeah the bad part about it it didn't pay piece rate oh so okay like, 
So it's a fixed You're, you're really killing yourself. And you're working more than what you are compensated for based on, on yeah, the workload. Yeah, but all where I'm going is sometimes you would touch 3,500 frames a day. 3,500 frames? A day. A day. Well, That's I'm a lot talking, of bicycles. Well, I'm talking maybe 1,000 frames three times. Because okay. you had to run them through three machines. Gotcha. So you, so you would do a process of about 1,000 frames yeah. per, per day. Okay, yeah. still... It's a good amount. We're hustling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but this is what would be called, you know, like mass production. Oh, yeah. There's no, there's just a standard system. And you're just repeating it, the it same was, thing over and over. It was, it was one shift a day, about 400 people in the plant. Okay. Where was the plant located? Uh, at? Over near Lea Valley Airport, Weaversville Road. Okay, so it was right in the center, right? That smack center on what ABE is considered, right? Like yeah. between the Allentown and Bethlehem Eastern yeah. area. But normal day would be, then. Mm-hmm. Would have been like forty-four to forty-eight hundred frames a day. Wow, wow, that's a good amount of yeah. bicycles. And what type of bicycles were they? Just casual? They were like, just casual. Okay, okay. Uh, family to, bikes. Family bikes. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. They, the, the road bikes, the uprights, uh, <coughs> the cruisers and stuff. Yeah, things like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, it's <clears throat> it's a well. I mean, uh, you definitely still see quite a bit of Ross bicycles out there in yeah. the street people just using them as commuters sure. or just old bicycles that people like to to yeah. utilize so and, you know back then they were one of the top bikes were they around yeah. uh when i went to work there in april 77 i think for 1977 somebody gave me a number that for that year i think they controlled about seven percent of the world market Seven percent of that's the world market was, back I, in the seventies. I remember that's what I was told. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a big number. I mean, yeah. uh, for for oh, a, yeah. an American company uh, back then in the seventies, producing bicycles, and right here in the in the valley. But remember, everything was getting sold here. Most of it was getting sold here too. I see. But still, I mean, that's yeah. that's even more impressive, yeah. right? That you're producing something in house here in the area, and you were like selling it right away, and you're producing, you're competing with the numbers worldwide back yeah, then heck, in the my, '70s. My first bike, my first ten speed, mm-hmm. I think it was when I was 14, was okay. through Sears, mm-hmm. but that was a Ross. Wow, wow! Look at that. Ross made Free Spirit, if I remember right, before Sears. So, so your first bike was a Ross, and he ended up working at Ross, <laughs> making the bikes. Yeah. That's that's interesting, and and we're talking. This is in the '70s, so '77 uh, or so. You were saying that that's when did when to work there in April '77. And when did you stop working at Ross? March, my birthday, March 13th, 1985. <laughs> that's something you remember because of your Actually, birthday, obviously. It huh? was the day before I went to work at Spectrum on my birthday. So you gave yourself the gift of transitioning on your birthday. It just happened that way. <laughs> Actually, I did because they wanted. To, they said, "Well, you're going to give us a notice." I said, "Yeah, two days." Oh wow! And I wow. said, "I'm out of here." So, you're at Ross, and at this point, did you already know Tom Kellogg? Yeah, I met him at Ross. He worked there for about a year and a half. Okay. And okay. I was, I had taught myself to braise. I see. At Ross, you just practice on your own. You just started well, I doing did it. it by working. Okay. While I was working. Okay. And uh, so wait, so so. So your job was not brazing. My job was brazing. Oh. But they didn't know I didn't know how to braze. <laughs> Talk about entrepreneur just launching into well, it. and uh, the story goes, up. the first day they said, do you want to work some overtime? You know, uh-huh. they said, we need somebody who can braze. Can you braze? I'm like, yeah. Okay. And they put me on my brazing station. Gotcha. And it was very simple. Just I see. Put, put blobs on so it can melt in the salt bass. 
Gotcha. And uh, the next morning I got, they were waiting for me at the gate. Huh. Uh, you know, you wrecked like 75 frames last night. Oh, my. <laughs> and I said, well, I think I got to figure it out. Can I have another chance tonight? And they gave it to me. <laughs> and then you figured it out. Then from now on, you didn't ruin it. No. Oh, it? Thank God, huh? <laughs> Otherwise, you would have been done rather quickly. I thought I was out the door. Oh. <laughs> it's a story I really love telling, but it is the truth. So when, when <laughs> you're at Ross... Be, before that, I mean, you, you're just doing it for necessity. You're not really right. building these bikes or being, you're not interested in cycling or anything like that. You're nope. just, this is just another job another for job. you. Okay. Okay. You know, I wanted to stay in the bowling business, but it just didn't happen. Okay. Because I met Tom there mm-hmm. and uh, from Spectrum. Uh, that was before Spectrum. Yeah. And I saw what he was doing and I thought, boy, I can do this. Because I always I like building stuff. Sure. And, and and Tom was making already like custom bikes Customs. or at, he was at Ross at Ross. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. interesting. All right, so he did mm-hmm. start his like fabrication of custom frames at Ross. Oh, he was doing that. He was doing that a few years before that. Okay, all right. I think like four years. Uh, gotcha. About four years before that. Okay, all right. But so he the, got very good very fast. I bet. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Yeah. He's he's def, he's definitely got the proof that he had the skills to do it. I mean, yeah. how many years of doing this? So so you guys just meet at work. You're yeah. just working at the same place, and uh, and and you happen to then connect in the future or or. Well, there, <clears throat> he started a line called the 198 line, and okay. it was the first mass-produced handmade frames in a factory. Oh. And now there were some. Was, was that here also in the valley, or the did valley. he do this somewhere else? No, that was here. Okay. They okay. wanted us to do 50 frames a day. All right. We could do, realistically, 38. Okay. Which they were fine with. Sure. But that's where Tom showed me how to actually braise a frame. I see. Okay. One lesson. That was done. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. And I took it from there. Okay. Okay. And then, uh, was it 85 or 84, somewhere around, or 82, that then you transitioned to to Spectrum? No. Spectrum... Opened as Spectrum okay. in 1982. 82, okay. okay. That was Tom and Michael Overcash. Gotcha. Okay. In 1982, after Tom left, well, after Tom left in 1980, Jim Ray K came in. Okay. And, and who is Jim Ray K? He was a frame builder from Lambertville, New Jersey. Okay. And he had a thousand frames under his belt by that point, probably. So many frame builders in the area already. I'm already listening to these names. At, at one time, there was like seven or eight frame builders in the area. In the Lehigh Valley, or or in the region of New Jersey, yeah. tri-state area. Okay. Well, no, just just from the Delaware River to Allentown. Wow. And maybe as north as Stroudsburg, maybe. That's quite a bit of builders. If, if, oh, yeah. You know, like now, I don't yeah. think we have anything near that. I mean, I'm not aware exactly of how many we currently have, but wow, that's quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. So then uh, Spectrum comes to be in 82. You're not part of that at that point. No. And then when do you get then? Michael Overcash to- left, I think, in 83, and Tom tried keeping it going himself, and he was just swamped with orders, and he couldn't do it. Gotcha. And he calls me up one day mm-hmm. at Ross, mm-hmm. and I hear a click. So I, I know I'm being monitored. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, he says, I want to talk to you about working for me. Said, right like, on the phone at Ross, at Ross where you heard the click that somebody picked up yeah. the other side of the line. Okay, huh, that's and, interesting. And uh, I went out to town the next day and talked to him. 
But it's funny, after after I hung up with Tom at Ross, after that conversation, I got called into the office. Okay. Interesting. I, I was questioned a little. Yeah, I bet. I and, bet. But two days later, I was gone. Was that the reason that it was such a rush decision? Because you already knew that they kind of had an idea? Because of that conversation you had no. with them? Or it was just no, something I just, do? I was worried about Ross where... It was headed? Exactly. Okay. I, I want to be careful what I'm saying here. Of course. You know, uh... But I, you had your I, concerns. I didn't like what so, I was seeing. Okay, and you were just ready to move on at yeah, that point. Yeah, and I was swamped. I had a year and a half worth okay. of orders. Okay, and gotcha. it was just five bikes a week. Wow, in this building. Yeah, it's just quite out a bit. Of hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Plus, I wanted to go other places. Gotcha. With the frame building. Oh, you mean on your work itself? You wanted to take your work in a different other direction. Stuff. Yeah, and I couldn't do it there because of all the orders. Gotcha. So going to work for Tom, he just says, "Look, once you learn." What's going on here? Yeah. With my equipment and all that, he says, do what you want. As long as you're ahead of schedule, do what you want. So he gave you liberty to yeah. be creative and to experiment Pretty much on your from own day way. Well, I guess that's the whole point of being an entrepreneur and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, have your own company, right, to explore, yeah. especially when you're designing and, and creating stuff. That's that's awesome. Um, so you, you transition over to to a place now that you have like a blank canvas to to explore um, what would you say was like your first experience kind of like doing your own thing, like just exploring and, and testing stuff? Like what would you say? Was it making a frame stronger? Was it kind of just messing with geometry? How did that work well, for you exploring? Like, <clears throat> you know, tell us a little bit about that process. Of- time, time did all design work. Okay. Because every frame was custom built. Gotcha. From the start, yeah. And then you only had three different tubings you were using. Okay. As far as standard tubes. Sure. Uh, so it was fairly simple that way. Okay. It was just to get the frames under my belt mm. so I could go off in other directions. I get into aero frames. Gotcha. Airfoil tubes. Yeah. Which I didn't use the bike tubes. I used actual aircraft tubing. Wow. It was heavier, but it worked better because of the shape. Okay. A few of those. Uh Mono stays for the rear end, you know, fastback stuff. Okay. I had like four different ways I could do those. That's awesome. Then I get into making my own lugs. That must have been cool to start and that thinking. Was, it was out of necessity because we couldn't, we were doing so many odd angles. Yeah. We were doing quarter degrees. Okay. Making my own lugs was easier to use them. Than to just purchase them by somebody else who right, might not have the right angles. Right, because you could only angles. get them in half degrees. Okay. And that quarter of a degree made all the difference when you were assembling. Oh. To praise. Okay. okay. Because we were silver soldering. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, nice. I always love building the forks most because the fork is the most important part to okay. me. Okay. Because the fork ain't right, the bike doesn't work. Yeah, right. The rake, the, the alignment. The, the alignment especially. Everything just throws the bike I always, completely I always off. I fried my forks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and... Did you start fabricating your forks off the bat, or is that something that... No, I always know, did forks. You always did forks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I actually had a plan once at Ross. I wanted to start manufacturing forks on my own. Okay. On a small scale for other builders. Sure. But that didn't never... It, obviously, it did, well, I didn't have enough time. Yeah. Things just got to, you know... Yeah, yeah. Started rolling yeah. for me. So, back in the 80s, when you... Now you are... Or the late 80s. Now you're, you're at Spectrum. Um, how was... 
how was the local scene when it came to bicycles, people riding bicycles? I mean, I understand that you weren't, I believe you were never really a big, like, full-time rider or anything like that. You didn't commute to work back and forth mm -hmm. a lot. You rode for fun, for enjoyment, for pleasure, yeah. maybe to test your own products as well, I, I'm, I'm guessing. But how did you, how do you recall... You know, back in the days, back in the, that era in the 80s, you know, our, our local community when it came to people just riding bikes and such. For me, it was just a velodrome. Okay. I didn't worry about anybody on the roads because there wasn't that many then. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Uh, but the velodrome, I was doing a lot of bikes for there. Okay. In my 36 years at Ross, I'm sorry, at Spectrum. Uh-huh. No, I didn't build... A track bike the last three years they okay. just weren't in demand sure but until then i did 102 track track bikes for veldrum oh wow that's quite a bit yeah, yeah and they're all custom yeah. they're all custom sized bicycles custom. and yeah. race specific what do you mean by race specific for sprint okay uh pursuit so so they're different yeah they're all different okay what would you say are the biggest differences between a pursuit bike and a sprint bike per se because obviously a lot of people are going to say stiffness but i'm sure there might be some other yeah I, I, can't, I can't give you those specifics because like, here again tom did designing okay. okay i would have to look stuff up mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know and take a look at numbers and things. fair enough but but in general like what would you see that you know because i'm sure then there's got to be some sort of visual difference that you might have noticed as as a builder right or or, or, or they oh, were yeah. that close that you couldn't but, tell but over the years i wasn't paying attention and mm -hmm. i was just building what i was gotcha told to build gotcha 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 <laughs> okay oh no fair enough what what would you say uh, based on on fabrication is is the biggest uh complexity with you know um, because if you take a carbon frame, it, it's a pretty large process, and that's why m pretty much most of it is is done on large factories, right? Uh, the, the the laying of the layers of carbon, the, the chemical environment that you need, to, you should have it a special environment to process it. And then the cooking of it requires mm -hmm. specialty ovens and all that. But then you have steel or even tie, but steel or aluminum for that matter. But let's say stick with steel, you know, you have the soldering, you, you have the, the angling of the tubing. I, I know you didn't fabricate things in carbon, but I'm sure you're aware of the process. You know, like as a builder, do, do you see major differences in what, what benefits one or the other? Or do you think that you, you never thought of it that way? I don't know. I never really thought of it that way until near the end. Gotcha. When carbon was just taking over everything. Okay. I never considered aluminum the best thing mm -hmm. to build a frame out of. Okay. All Although right. now, it, now it's way over the top from what it used to be. Okay. And back in the day, and still, you don't see, well, titanium had its day. Mm -hmm. But back when titanium was big, mm -hmm. titanium, you couldn't build a good fork. You couldn't build a good fork. No, it just didn't work. For what reasons? Do you it think? wasn't the right kind of material. Because it wasn't resilient enough. Was uh, it was too resilient. Okay. Soft. You you couldn't make you couldn't make them stiff. Anything like that. Okay. If that's the right words. Sure, sure. You know, Tom could explain it more than I could, but sure. it just never. I mean, it was tried. Okay. Okay. You know, but it just never made a good, so that's why a good most, fork. That's why most titanium bikes didn't have carbon forks right, from exactly. that era. Yeah, because that was the era of the big transition. You know, when yeah. tie was very popular, that's when most people then yep. started seeing carbon uh, forks and then carbon bikes yeah. eventually after that. Interesting. I've always looked at um, 
you know, as, as a cyclist myself, I, I went through that transition of, I was not as far back as steel, but um, aluminum. Then I remember those lugged or glued assembled <laughs> to carbon tubing with aluminum or, or steel or titanium parts. Yeah, we, depending we on actually you did titanium and carbon. Okay. And the adhesives never held. That's what I was going to say. I, I've seen a couple of bikes that I'm not going to name brands. They, they but, didn't break but, catastrophically. It's but they, just that the tubes they, would loosen up they, yeah. in the lugs. Exactly. Exactly. And we never figured out how to make it work. So we only kept them for about six months, I think, that we, we, we made a few of them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So going through that transition, all the different materials, obviously, you get caught up on, the, on what I consider the hype, right? Because everything's new and everybody's looking for the newest, better thing. Uh, and, and I, I, I stayed out of that mm -hmm. just because steel was the whole world to me. Fair enough. And that's what I'm getting to. Like, uh, I've done a little bit of research in, like, in England. There, there seems to be a pretty cool uh, renaissance occurring where there's a mm -hmm. lot of younger builders coming up and, and working with classic steel tubing, yeah. you know, like Columbus and such, yeah. uh, uh, and Reynolds that's actually out of England. So that's a very yeah. popular tubing out there. And 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 I don't. I'm not sure if uh, all of them are just doing custom builds, but I think some of them are experimenting with just doing a couple of like standardized sizes, but not mass produced. There's still yeah. a certain quality of of uh, you know like semi custom. You would say right. Mm -hmm. You can get a specialty job, a paint job. Here, or here again, like that. I never worried about what other people were doing. Fair enough. But what would you say, in your opinion, have you thought, or you can think now? You know, the question is, you, you're you're ending a cycle. Right, you just retired recently from yeah. fabrication, and you've seen the transition of all this these different materials and such. Do you believe that steel can make a comeback or aluminum well, based it, on our current generation steel, of people coming? Steel up? actually has made somewhat of a comeback. Okay, how far it's gone, I don't know because gotcha. I'm just not keeping up on it. Sure. At okay. this point, after 44 years in the industry, mm -hmm. I don't really care. Fair enough. Fair enough. There's a point where you just got to hang the gloves. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and that's why I'm working where I am now. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that's totally understandable. Um, I, I feel like, you know, the, the, a steel and aluminum, but I, I lean more towards steel. Uh, they will eventually become more of the primary materials for even high-end bicycles because of the new generation of people utilizing the equipment are very conscientious of reutilizing materials mm -hmm. and carbon is one of those uh, you know things that you, once it's used it's used you can't recycle it you can't reuse it yeah. so one one of my biggest things with steel that i would really push on people mm -hmm. was if it breaks it can be repaired exactly exactly carbon it can be repaired to a point to as, a point as far as i know mm -hmm. Aluminum, if you got to get a weld redone, you got to get the whole frame uh, reheated. Oh, really? So it's a yeah. whole frame process, even though you may be repairing a smaller One area weld. on the frame. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. At least that's, that's the way good. it used to be. Sure. Back, Back in, then. In my days around you okay. know, what I saw of aluminum. Okay. Wow. That, I didn't know that. You mm -hmm. see, you learned something. If it's like day. that today, I don't know. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. But again, that that takes me to 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 the point that I'm saying. Like steel is still, in my opinion, and and I think tubing has changed too, right? Mm -hmm. Like the tubing that maybe you started working with is not the current steel tubing that that oh, they're no. using now. Mm -hmm. the, no, the, not at all. What would you say are the major or possibly the most noticeable qualities that the tubing has changed? 
Well, the the changes were quite a few years ago. Okay. And I'm not exactly sure how to explain it. There was heat-treated tubing. Okay. Different grades of hardnesses. Okay. For different reasons. Okay. All right. Again, here we go. We designed them. Mm-hmm. We figured out what to use, and we used it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. And what was the tubing that you most popularly was re- asked to use, or that you used used that you typically built most of your frames with, or did it vary? It varied. Of, it varied we, a lot. Yeah? We didn't use tube. Excuse me. Sure. <clears throat> we did not use tube sets. Okay. We used individual tubes, and we would even mix tube sets. Oh. To get to where we needed to be at the final product. And. Uh, because single tube sets really, to us, never made sense. Because? After maybe 1988, 89, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Because there was too much other tubing being designed. Okay. As single tubes and not tube sets. Okay. With, right. Like butt lengths, uh, the, the, how the material reacted under different... Gotcha. Tem- right, stresses? Right. Exactly. Stresses. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Okay. Uh, butt lengths, st- stuff like that, tube lengths. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very, very involved. Yeah. I but now you can't get those tubes anymore either. Why not? They're just they're, not, they're just they're not, not being pr- produced anymore. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, it, when we, me and Tom, we, we designed our own chain stays. Oh, wow. And we used it. I think Reynolds used to make them first, but they were the first. No, Eshawato was, I think. Okay. And then I think Reynolds made us some. Gotcha. And I forget the last ones, but we could use them on anything from a sprint bike for the track uh-huh. to a road touring tandem and everything in between. Okay. Because of the way we designed them. Ah. Okay. I would have to show you one. Sure. And you would understand right away. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's one of those things visually it's a little bit easier to. Yeah. So maybe one day we'll do a video. Maybe we'll visit the old shop and, yeah, uh, and yeah. take, take a look at some of the yeah. stuff you're talking about so people can understand it a little bit better. Yeah. Very but cool. But I did go off into like different diameter chain stays and all that. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but it was for reasons. Okay. That we were trying to understand at that time. Gotcha. And then we found out we didn't have to do it. Okay. So it's definitely a trial and error kind of thing where you just well, have to test it. Some of yeah, some of it was for us, yeah, that way. Yeah, yeah, which I think most things in life, that's just the way it goes. You you may have protocols, but at the end of the day, you get something new. Where you have I'm to going, test it's it. like one inch steel chain stays. You never saw that. Okay. <laughs> you know because of uh, the weakness on the tubing, or, or no, we we were just thinking about the size of the rider and the power of the rider, and I'm talking for track bikes yeah 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 yeah. okay okay and andy didn't need it okay when we designed our own tubes that's awesome so (laughs) yeah so it's almost like your entire process was custom Mm -hmm. you know like there was nothing uh preset which i'm assuming with some of the bikes that you may get a custom sizing on you may get a standard or a standardized buildup right where they're just repeating the same process when it comes to what tubings or whatever versus where you guys were doing worse mixing all these materials based on their individual qualities and, and, and yeah give me an idea it's like forks mm-hmm. <clears throat> when you buy a fork and fork rigs let's say a manufacturer might have you'll understand this mm-hmm. 2.0 1.9 rig Mm-hmm. 1.8 sure 1.7 and that yeah 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 <clears throat> we used to get to fork rakes in millimeters 
Oh, wow. And the rake being, obviously, the curvature so that from the beginning of the how top, far, how, how far forward how, how or far, far forward the wheel center of the wheel will yeah. sit in comparison with the head tube, which yeah, is the area the that goes in, in, into, into the frame itself, yeah. the center of the front. But of we the would head. get down into millimeters with that instead of tenths of an inch. So you were really detailed into how... If we had to. If you had to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you had that option. Okay. Yeah. And this obviously being the, the fork, that means that you... This is you going through that process of measuring exactly mm -hmm. millimeters and to creating this fork yeah. to that specific. That that's that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's something. I mean, I, 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 again, just thinking about things that happen here in the valley, right? I mean, we've we've had fantastic um, athletes from the velodrome and some from the road who have accomplished, you know, really wonderful things, and and even. Not just on the road, but some mountain bikers. Uh, actually, I just found out not long ago a couple of BMX riders that we had that were pretty, mm -hmm. you know, top-notch athletes. Um, but to to know that our area is so rich in the history of not just the athletic part of things, but also on oh, the, the production of building, the building yeah. of of bicycles, it's something that you know most people may not even recall be, be aware of because I wasn't, uh, and and I've been in in this game I would say more than 30 years, not necessarily just regionally, but. I wasn't even aware of how much manufacturing and production there was related to the bicycle, and it all came out of this area. So that's that's definitely fantastic news to hear. But to have it being that you guys were producing something so unique in the sense mm -hmm. of all the processes that you guys went through to produce these bicycles, these custom bicycles, it's, it's really special. Talking about some other builders in the area, you know, we we've, which I hope in the future to have on the podcast, cut... Custom builders, when you guys were in your prime in the area, I know of a couple of them. Like I know the name of Harry Hef Union, mm -hmm. right? No, he's uh, a good friend of mine. And uh, I believe is it Peter Dressen mm -hmm. as well. Um, you know, how, how many total do you recall we had during that generation? Which I think they were all pretty high primed in the eighties, right? Yeah, um, I can name a lot of them, but I wouldn't name all of them. No, that's fine. Sure, because not always. No, uh, not everybody was on the level I consider okay fair enough custom sure sure true sure. custom yeah okay yeah yeah I would say there was six or seven okay here, maybe eight wow yeah, it depends and I'm counting I'm counting one other at Ross okay which was Jim Ray K okay after Tom yeah and then me gotcha after that I don't know who was there gotcha I did know a couple they weren't there very long they just they tried but a, then kind of it, eventually it wasn't for them you gotcha to work at to work at ross i guess yeah you know yeah uh john stinsman very old name is it okay uh he was mostly some kind of race cars he built oh but he also built race bikes oh wow and a very good one so you ever heard of Veloci? <clears throat> the Veloci race i think bikes? so yeah that's john stinsman oh uh that's also local that's all to our area here well, yeah he, his, he lives over near uh, Leah Valley Hospital. Oh, look at that. In Cedar Crest? Yeah, like, right oh. off Cedar Crest. That's awesome. Another local building. In fact, I grew up two and a half miles from. That's something. <laughs> it's funny because as I speak with you, uh, you know, off off the, the podcast, you, you've you known and you've actually, or even grew up near so many people that are within the industry that mm -hmm. some of them you didn't meet until late in your career. Well, I mean, you know, or knew that they were nearby or they interacted. I didn't similar. know anything about custom frames, mm -hmm. custom bicycles. Gotcha. Until 1980. 
Fair I enough. Absolutely nothing. That's that's special though, because most people think that if you do anything with cycling, you you have a, a history with it, yeah. right? And which is the most common thing. You you've been in the sport, or, you, yeah. or your family's been in the in the industry somehow, and you came from a whole different world, and, oh, and yeah. by through necessity, became part of this rich history here in our area but it all goes back to when i was a kid i just liked building stuff there it is didn't much care what it was yeah you just wanted to build something with <laughs> yeah. your hands yeah that's awesome where where does jeff see now that i mean you're out of the game in a sense like where do you see maybe the future of of the production i mean especially now with covid right like this covid thing has thrown everything out of whack and do you think we might spark a new generation of builders again here in the States where they might just produce more bicycles or companies may produce stuff here? Or do you think that that's not going to be the case? I don't think that's going to be the case. Okay. That's me personally. Of course. That's what we're saying. It's just an opinion. Especially if you... Now, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. The guys who are doing the carbon now, carbon mm -hmm. is off the hook as far as design and all that. Okay. You know... Uh, and that's that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. It, it's one of those things we always kind of, you don't want to step on other people's toes. No, no, agreed. And it's it's not about that. Um, yeah. I just, I just don't think, see, and when I look at what you just asked, I look at how we did it. Okay. When I say we, me, Tom, Jim. Sure. Yeah. You know, and the other guys. We had no computers. Yeah. We talked to people. That's how we learned. Okay. How to what they needed. What they needed. What yeah. was we built from? What was right about them? Mm -hmm. What was wrong about them? Gotcha. And we made adjustments. Okay. That kind of thing. Fair enough. Fair enough. And it's like anything. It's a trade. It's it's, it's a profession that uh, you don't necessarily go to school to learn as as any other profession. A lot of it is you could because I think there's some courses well, out there you could take now. They, they have they have the they have the the, the schools. Yeah. And. You go. Th I never went through one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have to because I had learned enough on my own. Yeah. The right way to learn. Tom did the same thing. Yeah. And I know Red K did too. Okay. Uh, they give you the basics, and then you go from there. Yeah. Yeah. You still got to be creative. You got to think out of the box, as we say, on your sure. own, and figure it out to see what best suits you. So, that's. That's a great detail um, that I'm a big believer of, you know, uh, how important it is to communicate with your customers, right? Um, and, and we're not going to get into the details of the market itself, but, you know, you have a lot of pe people who purchase uh, bicycles online nowadays, right? Mm -hmm. They come out of a box, they ship it to you, you just yeah. put it together at home and you move on. And I would say you hope for the best that it fits you correctly based on geometry or how they ride, the characteristics of that bike, how it rides. Um yeah, I'm, I'm just very hopeful that uh, we can, uh, you know, with Community Bike Works and, and some other programs, we, we can get younger generations of mm -hmm. folks who might get interested in, in doing something <clears throat> like this, this kind type of craft. One, one, of the, one of the things where I'm going with that was years ago, we had a lot of guys really wanted to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, I should say they wanted to learn, mm -hmm. but the question would always come up to me, how long will it take me to get as good as you? <laughs> and I'm like, you're never going to be as good as me. <laughs> exactly. It's just going to be different. Yeah. It's just different. Yeah. Um, whether, uh, I mean, and don't take me wrong. I don't think I, it's a I matter learned, of, I learned one right up to the last day I was learning till the last day I was there. Exactly. Right. You're always learning. Yeah. Um, 
and and I we can't we could possibly agree or disagree. I believe that the frames that you created or that you welded and you put together, they have you in them. They have your personality, mm-hmm. your way of thinking in them, and somebody else would do exactly the same. Build a frame, but it'll have different characteristics because that that transitions onto the frame. Yeah. The way you weld, the <clears throat> way you assemble I, I things. Know, I know Tom made a comment. I don't know whether it was to an individual or to a magazine or mm-hmm. whether it was online or what. Sure. That probably after about seven or eight years after I went to work for him, mm-hmm. maybe a little longer. Sure. He says, Jeff's, Jeff is beyond, Jeff's skills are way beyond where mine ever got to. Mm. Okay. I remember Tom making a, a comment somewhere. Sure. And uh, I forget where I was going to go with that, but. No, no, but it's, it's. I mean, if somebody as Tom Kellogg's can the, the, express himself well, that way, it, Tom it stopped, shows. Tom stopped building in 1985 when I went to work for him. And that action tells a lot because it trusted you. He trusted you to he do did. what you were doing. But I took things to other levels. Gotcha. Just because he would let me do it. Of course. Okay. Which is and part. And I think that's where he was going with that. Mm-hmm. Because I built, I, I built stuff other guys probably never dreamed of. Right. And and going with what you're just saying, that's pretty much what most uh, people in business and marketing, you know, business management tell you, you know, a good leader, a good boss, a good CEO surrounds himself with very good qualified people, even people that may be better than him or her at any particular task. Because if, if you do that, you don't have to worry because you have good people taking care yeah. of all the tasks around you. So Tom definitely did something like that. He saw something in you that gave him the confidence to say, I'm just going to grow. I'm just going to move forward with this because I have mm-hmm. a good person, qualified well, person. Well, that was the idea me. of me going to work for him. Good, 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 good. That was one of the original ideas of us two getting together. Yeah. And it just worked. Yeah, fair enough. And how did that work? Let's talk a little bit about that. Let's get like what what anecdotes can you tell us about you know you and Tom being together without getting yourself in trouble? I know you and Tom are really good friends. As far as I know (laughs) or remember, okay, we never had an argument. Really, for all those years, all those years, and that's all I can say about it. We just thought the same. All right, that's and we each had our own jobs. So you, so he had his responsibilities. You had yours, and you kind of just went about just doing your own thing. Okay. Yes, yeah. nice. he was the mouth of the place. I was the quiet guy. <laughs> I was always called the quiet guy. Hey, I, I can vouch for that. Yeah. I, I've known Tom Kellogg for, I would say, more than twenty years, and uh, been to. I never really walked in back in the days to the shop itself, uh, but I've been to his house for multiple different reasons, and I only saw you. I never heard you speak until mm-hmm. I really interacted at your retirement party. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it that's definitely proved that, you know, you were definitely the quiet guy at the group. So that's that makes total sense. Total sense. If if you could if you could put in words, you know, um, what would you like to people remember you for? You know, like if people talk about spectrum cycles or local okay. builders or something like that, uh, okay. how how would you like to I always, people always told me, if you look at my seat clusters, mm-hmm. the seat seat tube lug, mm-hmm. the way the stays are done, mm-hmm. that's one thing people know me for. Okay. Plus my dropout ends on the rear dropouts, mm-hmm. mostly, 
I really took pride in the way they looked, too, because I did them a little differently than everybody else. Gotcha. And it's just something you work on because that's your signature. That is a builder's I can, signature. I can look at things and, and tell if I did it. Okay. Based on those little yeah. details, which I'm assuming most builders at that level that you're- A lot of, a lot of guys have Have that thing. same little sure. signature then, and yours yeah. was in the C-clips and stuff. Okay. I just really took pride in those two things. That's good. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Yeah. So people will remember then- the specialty work that that Jeff has done, and especially oh, yeah. be able to recognize your work yeah. out, out of those frames that you built. And did that transition on both both bicycles or only at the Spectrum ones? Did you do something signature wise on your on the? No, Ross? we were doing too many bikes at Ross. Okay, we we did a certain amount, mm-hmm. but not to that level. Gotcha. We just didn't have the time. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> cool thing. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, Thanks for thank you know you. sparing you know. Uh, sharing this this journey with me with uh, starting this this investigation of how many builders and what was mm-hmm. produced here in the area. Um, we're going to call it for today. Okay. And then uh, we'll take it, you know, maybe we'll see you some next time. Maybe we'll have Tom Kellogg on board and have you both on board and That'd you can chit chat cool. about, uh, you yeah. know, stories that I'm sure you guys have. All right? Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. All right.